0: Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me this week. This is Cordelia on We Heal Together. This episode, we are going to be talking about healing our shame. And we're going to kind of get into what shame is. I'm going to talk a little bit about how that ties in with codependency, um, go through some good tools in terms of healing. And yeah, I'm excited for it. So let's get healing. Thanks again for joining me this week. New episodes drop on Mondays. So happy Monday. (laughs) This episode is going to be helpful for anybody. So it's about shame, like I said, and we are all human beings. Shame is a universal feeling that we all experience. So this is a good podcast for truly anybody. I want to point out, though, that this podcast is going to be particularly helpful for people that are struggling with codependency. I say that because I'm one of those people. So the stuff covered within this podcast today has been an essential part of my healing journey. Before we get into the podcast, I want to update you guys on a couple of things. So, first of all, if you don't follow me and you like this content, you like what's on the podcast, I would invite you to follow me on Instagram. It is at codependentrecovery. And as always, check the show notes if there's any, you know, you forget what my Instagram is, you wanna follow it later. All this info is gonna be in my show notes. But over Labor Day weekend, this weekend, I spent a lot of time kind of updating some things on my website and it's also in the show notes and it's in my bio on Instagram as well but if you've not checked it out I would totally I'm just gonna brag on myself a little bit here (laughs) I would check it out so I'm not like selling a product or anything on there it's literally just a lot of free resources for you um I was Trying to think about, you know, not everybody can afford counseling. Um, Not everybody knows, you know, good recommendations for things. Just, you know, like there's not a place that a lot of people have or, you know, that they know of to get resources. So again, you're not going to like log on to my website and then all of a sudden there's like a bunch of bags for you to buy or something. (laughs) I promise like I'm just trying to direct you to some resources if you want them. So some stuff that I added, there is one page on my website that has just book recommendations, you know, for your healing process. Um a break a breakup playlist that I created. So there's a link to that. Um it's also just kind of a feel good playlist. It is one that I made and it helped me through some tough times. I also put a recommendation for US residents for an organization that people may need if they need to find some affordable counseling. Another page of the website that I created has, I think it's something like 23 or 24 different free self healing resources. So, by that, I mean there's worksheets, there's feelings wheel, exercises. Tons of tools for you to use. You can it up on your phone and do it or print them out. But again, they're all free and there's tons of different things you can do. And in, including some things that we're talking about in today's episode, that is on there as well. And then uh, another page on my website is resources for survivors. So really, this is like survivors of abusive relationships as well as their families, friends, loved ones, anybody who's trying to help somebody in an abusive relationship. On that page, there are things like guides, so warning signs of abuse, how to document abuse, how to create a safety plan, financial tips, how to help a friend, how to help a stranger. And then links to various organizations, domestic violence organizations in the US, finding local domestic violence shelters, low cost legal services. It also has a link for international survivors as well. There are links to hotlines such as domestic violence, sexual assault, suicide, also some specific hotlines that I found geared towards the following communities, so youth-based communities, Native American, Alaskan Native, LGBTQ, transgender, and honestly, if there's any resources or anything that you're missing or you need some help or you think would be helpful to be on there, shoot me a message. Let me know. I'm happy to to add on to there. And the last page of my website is an inclusive survivors of abuse survey. I added that and I made a post on Instagram. That was probably a few weeks ago and it's been awesome. I've gotten some responses back. The whole point of that is I don't ever want my podcast, my content, my Instagram to feel like you're only hearing this one white girl, white American girl story of abuse. I want to be mindful that everyone has gone through different experiences, different healing processes, different burdens, and I want to take that into consideration. So I would love for more people to fill out that survey. I think I've only had like 10 responses so far, but the responses I have so far have been really incredible. And it's really cool. It's from people like all over the world. I think so far I've gotten a response. I remember seeing somebody from Italy, somebody from Canada, several U.S. respondents. So it just, you know, I would love to just learn more about everybody. And, you know, I'd love to learn from you guys and learn about some things that I I might not have had to face or things I might not have even considered before. You know, I would love to just learn more about that, Um, especially, you know, learning about different perspectives in terms of the one thing I was thinking about when I was making this survey, for example, was, you know, when I was in abusive situations, I really never had like that underlying fear of being afraid to call the police. Whereas I feel like other, you know, victims of abuse who are also part of a minority group would be able to speak on that, would probably have some, you know, some additional burdens that I had not considered. So anyways, that's the whole point of that survey. Um, and the last announcement that I wanted to make was, if you did not see, I am giving away three copies of Codependent No More for info on how to participate in that giveaway, check out my Instagram. The contest ends on Friday, so the winners will be announced on Friday. Awesome! All right. So let's get into this actual episode. First, I want to address Darlene Lancer wrote in her book, Conquering Shame and Codependency. Many of the symptoms of codependency are either caused by shame or are defenses to feeling shame. In fact, most codependents grow up feeling ashamed of their wants, feelings, and or needs, often due to emotional abandonment experienced as children. As adults, they then often devalue and deny those wants, needs, and feelings in order to avoid their own shame. If childhood shame has never been addressed or examined from the perspective of an adult, it's really easily triggered just waiting for something in life, you know, bringing all those feelings of shame back to the surface. So it's kind of like this ever-present shame. Sometimes people call it toxic shame. Sometimes people call it internalized shame. And it prevents people from being able to feel loved, being able to feel respected, appreciated, or happy. They just can't accept that these feelings, they see themselves, you know, as not being worthy of experiencing life in a positive way. So like I said earlier, this episode can be especially helpful for people struggling with codependency because learning how to process shame is going to be an essential step in healing anyone's life, but especially healing somebody who is codependent. Before we get any further into the episode, I want to say this. I did a lot of research for this episode. So be sure to check out my show notes. I have put in all the citations for all the information, you know, in case you're interested in anything. And just so you don't think I am just randomly saying words, you know, I did spend a lot of time researching and everything is in the show notes. So feel free to jump into that. Okay, so what is shame? I really like Brene Brown's definition of shame, the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. An example is, I am bad. I am a mess. So the focus is on the self and not the behavior. So With that, you know, we're kind of feeling alone because you're focusing on yourself. I am bad. It is never known to lead towards positive change. And guilt, on the other hand, is an unhappy feeling that you have done something wrong or you think that you've done something wrong. So I bring up guilt because. I think it's important to kind of differentiate those. So shame, that's going to focus on the self. Guilt is going to focus on the behavior. Shame is, I am bad. Guilt is, I did something bad. And again, I'm pulling that from Brene Brown. And she also famously said, How many of you, if you did something that was hurtful to me, would be willing to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Guilt is, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Shame is, I'm sorry, I am a mistake. So guilt is gonna motivate you to want to correct or repair the error. But shame is gonna be like this intense, global feeling and you're feeling inadequate you're feeling inferior and you're really there's a lot of self-loathing involved shame really separates us so it separates us from ourself and from others so in particular people with codependency they are more likely should i say they or we (laughs) we are more likely you have low self-esteem and strong feelings of shame. So you feel shame about who you are. You feel like you are not worthy of love. You feel unworthy. You feel full of shame. And when you're codependent, that's how some of those things can kick in in terms of it You know, you won't want to set boundaries because you feel like you don't deserve that, you know? And so I think it's important to look at the roots of shame because if we get down to it, shame is really like at your core. It's this core belief that there's something wrong with me. No matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, I'm never going to be enough. And at the end of the day, I don't expect anybody to like me. I reject myself, so I think everybody else is going to reject me. Like, deep down, that is how you feel when you feel shame. And when you feel shame, your body does a lot of weird things. Your mind does a lot of weird things. A lot of times people try to control, like... They try to keep bad things from happening so they create the illusion that they have all this control and, of course, you don't. They, you know, perfectionism. I struggle with that myself where you're always trying to be perfect. And another thing people do is they don't talk about feelings because that would be bad. and nothing bad happens because I'm perfect. And when you're in this kind of shame trap, these are the kind of things that your mind does and thinks to process shame. So in order to heal, because the point is that we want to heal together, right? I thought it would be really cool if I went through how do we overcome shame? So I'm going to talk to you first about the shame resilience theory. This was first articulated in a paper in 2006 by Brene Brown. I feel like she's the queen of shame, so, you know, I'm I'm mentioning her a lot. Clearly, I'm a fan. Um, So, according to Brene Brown, shame causes people to feel trapped, powerless, and isolated. Brene Brown suggests that while shame triggers can vary between individuals and cultures, there are certain triggers that are more common than others, such as appearance and body image, sexuality, family, motherhood, parenting, professional identity and work, mental and physical health, aging, religion. Seeking out and surviving trauma. So, the main idea behind the shame resilience theory is studying the strategies that people employ to avoid feeling trapped, powerless, or isolated in the face of feelings of shame. A goal of shame resilience is to help those who feel shame feel empathy, connection power, and freedom. These are emotions that really can be the opposite of shame. So again, the goal of, our, of this shame resilience theory is to ultimately feel the opposite of shame, to feel empathy, to feel connection, to feel power, and to feel freedom. I'm going to walk you through the steps in this theory of overcoming shame. Number 1. Recognize shame and understand shame triggers. So of course, again in the show notes, I actually put a link and it says like Brené Brown downloads and it has a little um instruction for you to click on it and how to get there but there's actually a worksheet printout that you can print out for this in the show notes so feel free to do this Um, or if you just want to revisit it later um, it's actually a reading guide for one of her books that she provides for free on her website I read the book, it is a great book, and it's in the show notes as well. But I just wanted to mention if you're feeling overwhelmed as we're going through this, just know you can always revisit it and go through this later. Okay, so understanding shame. We're gonna go through some questions to understand it. First, what does shame mean to you? When you feel shame, what do you do? Do you go quiet and disappear? So do you move away from it? Do you do what the other person wants to make it stop? In other words, do you move toward it? Or do you go on attack? So you make somebody else feel bad? In other words, do you move against it? So what do you physically feel when you feel shame? Shame does have physical symptoms. This can include, you know, your mouth getting dry. I'm feeling like it's going by really slow. Heart racing, twitching, looking down, tunnel vision. It kind of is going to vary from person to person. So if you learn your physical symptoms, the theory is you can then recognize shame and then kind of get back from it quicker. So you can recover quicker. So again, something for you to consider is the statement. I physically feel shame in my, and then fill in the blank, in my stomach. I feel nauseous when I feel shame. My shame symptoms include, and then list them out. I know I'm in shame when I feel blank. If I could taste shame, it would taste like fill in the blank. If I could Smell no shame, it would smell like, fill in the blank. And of course, if you could touch it, what would that feel like? Okay, number two. To figure out shame triggers, we've gone through the physical, but now we need to go through perception. So you need to figure out how you want to be perceive. Like you want to work around these identities that we're struggling with. So outside of the worksheet, I did like a variation of this. I didn't do exactly what was in the book, but I'm going to put in the show notes a link to the Instagram post that I made over the weekend because this is similar to what I'm asking you to do. The goal is make two lists. So, make one list of things you hope people say about you, and then make a second list of the things you hope people don't say about you. So, I'm going to give you some examples from my own. This is my real list that I made. What I hope people say about me that I'm thin, independent, smart, easygoing. Trustworthy, dependable, truthful, funny, strong, go-getter, and beautiful. What I hope people don't say about me, that I'm overweight, crazy, unlovable, argumentative, flaky, chaotic, dramatic, untrustworthy, overly emotional, bloody, ugly, and weak. Okay, now give some thought to the following. Why do you think you want people to see you or not see you a certain way? So where is that coming from? Consider, do you actually have any control over how another person sees you, judges you, or thinks about you? Do you ever try to control how another person sees you or how another person thinks about you? And is it even possible for you to be all the things on that list at all times? So 24 hours of every single day of your life, is it possible to be every description that you want to be perceived as? So when I thought about my list of what exactly, you know, where were these? ideas coming from like where did this i where did these things that i want people to say about me and not want people to say about me where do they come from so this is kind of just a short list of what i came up with i have struggled with disordered eating childhood teen years i was made fun of i was often rewarded growing up only for achievements so like grades, um, pressure to be perfect, feeling like I didn't have autonomy, traumatic sexual experiences, being labeled as emotional within my family of origin, feeling like I deserved to be yelled at when I was a kid, the first adult relationship that I had, so when I was 18, I guess, if we consider me an adult at 18, was abusive. So, you know, while my brain was still forming and feeling like the black sheep of my family when I was, you know, growing up. I think that's where a lot of my own um, ideas about how I want to be perceived stem from. Now I will say like some people get kind of weird when they explore childhood stuff and it's okay to go down that road. It's okay to think about you know what wounds are there from your past not even from childhood. It could just be from your formative years maybe you were 20 maybe you weren't technically a child but you're still young and but especially you know childhood years you can have the most amazing parents in the world and you can still have wounds from your childhood and you're not being disloyal to your family by speaking out about them and, you know, you're not saying anything negative about your family by speaking out about them. It's important to heal your wounds and it's nobody's perfect, you know. So just keep that in mind when you do this kind of exploration activity and as you explore the topic of shame and going back to your past. And I think another thing to consider is after you go through that activity of how you want to be perceived, you want to look at how are you disconnecting from shame? So some people move away. And by that, I mean they withdraw, they hide, they silence themselves, they keep secrets. Some of us move towards. So that would be just people-pleasing, so just pleasing and appeasing the other person. Some of us move against. So maybe you take it out on somebody else. You use shame to fight shame. So one thing you can do is just think about when do you use the strategy of moving away? When do you use the strategy of moving towards and just kind of explore that a little bit? And in your healing, I think it's important to try to be aware, try to practice awareness of yourself, your environment, and just pay attention to things and trying to be present in your healing process. Such an important part of healing from. Shame is going to be connecting with others, receiving and offering empathy. Reach out to people. Share yourself and share your story. Who knows your story right now? Who is somebody safe you can share your story with? When is a good time to talk about it? The opposite of shame which again is really isolating, is going to be sharing yourself and sharing your story. We take the shame out of it when we name it, when we embrace it, when we own it. And frankly, I'm like relating to that so much right now because, you know, I started my Instagram and this podcast not that long ago, and it's been incredible all the people that I've connected with and you know instead of feeling shame I feel the opposite. I feel awesome and you know I guess <laughs> as cliche as it sounds, it's it's true and I encourage you all to share your story. So earlier I kinda touched on this, but the opposite of shame going to be like empathy. So empathy, how can we improve that? Self-compassion, common humanity, mindfulness. So self-compassion, that is like the biggest, biggest one for me personally that I need to work on. Self-compassion involves treating yourself the way you would treat a friend who's having a hard time. So even if your friend blew it or just is facing like the toughest thing you can imagine or it's just feeling super inadequate, you know, self-compassion is treating yourself how you would treat that friend in that moment. So, I mean, the more complete definition really, it, it involves Kind of what we touched on with empathy, with the self-kindness, common humanity, mindfulness. Self-kindness is being warm and understanding to ourselves. When we suffer, when we fail, when we feel inadequate, rather than ignoring the pain and beating ourselves up with this negative self-talk and this inner critic leaning in and understanding ourselves. So you're actively comforting yourself with kind words and affection as you would comfort somebody that you love. Mindfulness, that's the process of awareness for the present moment and the exploration of emotions and feelings without judgment. So again, like self-compassion, self-kindness, these are big things I'm working on. So a big thing that I've noticed is my self-talk. So just I'm trying to improve and I'm trying to use more positive self-talk. So instead of saying things like, I'm such an idiot, saying things like, okay, well, I just had a moment and I was a little bit absent-minded and that's okay. Some other examples, you know, some people might think, None of the other moms have these problems. Or somebody might think, I'm such a failure. So the point is, you're saying stuff like this all the time to yourself. And you want to work to reframe your thoughts. So, rethinking, you know, regretful thoughts, ways you could have done it different. So, the way you want to do this is, well, I wish I knew this earlier. Maybe if I tried X, then things would have been different. That's so much better. These rethinking thoughts, like, oh, well, I wish, you know, I wish that X would have been different instead of shaming thoughts. So, that contains accusations about your personal defects or failures that you caused the problem like I should have known about x earlier my anger is totally unacceptable acceptable you know I'm just gonna like skip dinner with them because they're just gonna talk about me and you know that example is isolating (laughs) so really work on reframing your thoughts work on reframing how you speak to yourself it, it is really important, and it builds self-compassion, which is combating shame. Make a daily gratitude list. That's another thing you can do. You can do five things you're thankful for or grateful for or proud of. On my website that I talked about at the beginning of the, web of the episode, there is a page on the free resources. Or, like a gratitude journal that you can, there's tons of templates and things that you can access that way. So, the next tip to use for developing self compassion and combating shame is a self compassion break using mindfulness. So, this looks like calling to mind a situation in life that caused you stress or it caused you pain. Think about that situation how did it make you feel? How did it make you feel physically? How did it make you feel emotionally? Now, when you make connection to those feelings, say the following words. This is a moment of suffering. So that is going to kind of activate your mindfulness. Suffering is a part of life. So saying this is going to help you to remind yourself that you have this in common with everybody else in the world you can always put your your hand over your heart or you can do some other soothing touch that feels right to you phrases that are recommended to be said are may I forgive myself may I be patient with myself may I be kind to myself so to close out this episode I put links Again, in the show notes, with eight total self compassion exercises that you can do on your own. They are by Dr. Kristen Neff, and there's eight different ones. So, the first one is How would you treat a friend? And it's very simple, it just encourages you to treat yourself how you would treat your friend exercise two is a self compassion break so really what we just went through um, on here but it it's linked in the show notes and it it walks you through in case you're ever wanting to practice this on your own exercise three is exploring self compassion through writing so, In this exercise, there's a part one, which imperfections make you feel inadequate, with some explanation as well. And then part two is writing a letter to yourself from the perspective of an unconditionally loving imaginary friend. Exercise four is supportive touch. Exercise five is changing your critical self-talk. Exercise six is a self compassion journal. Exercise seven is identifying what we really want. And exercise eight is called taking care of the caregiver. So, those are all in the show notes for you to work on and practice on your own. Um, Like I said, I really appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate I appreciate you guys participating and, you know, giving me feedback and just becoming, you know, a part of my life and a community with me. I'm so excited to continue down this journey and, you know, keep going with you. And so I appreciate it. I hope that this helped you. Um, I will see you never I will talk to you next Monday have a great week